Hey, so have you guys heard about the TikTok? Uh, consp- I don't know if I told you the TikTok conspiracy uh, about how uh, people believe pandas not to be real. I was like, oh. birds aren't real. Yeah, it's like uh, pandas. Yeah, pandas aren't real because there's no like historical writings or art or anything that like incorporates them until like a certain time. So there's like you know an exponential amount of human history where there's nothing about pandas, and then all of a sudden, pandas. So there's this like TikTok conspiracy that goes around that they're not the real creatures. Interesting. Like, God. like, so we've cloned them, we've Jurassic Parked them, or something like that. I, yeah, I don't know what the because uh, they're from like an old line um, of bear. They're actually more ancient in their descent than like grizzlies or black bears or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a it's an older form that has not evolved or changed in any way. So I would. I, that's why I guessed it might be a Jurassic Parky kind of. I don't know. I just hope this this does not bode well for the generation of people that are going to be wiping my ass when I'm, you know, enfeebled. (laughs) That they believe bears aren't real. Go to a zoo. My God. They'll they'll only see bears in Charmin commercials. grass. (laughs) It's it's just a white spray paint and a black bear. Uh Is is that that the idea? Okay. Well, that's even more. There's just a gang of them (laughs) running amok. Cocaine created a chain of restaurants. Cocaine bears real. Panda bears, Cocaine. false. Yeah, Cocaine Michael, Michael Caine bear. Cocaine pandas. That's yeah. that's the sequel right there. Michael Caine bear. Michael Caine bear. My, Michael Caine bear. <laughs> it's going to be a uh, voice acted um, <laughs> live action feature, like uh, when Snoop Dogg did the voice of that bloodhound in that oh that dogs movie. And what are you talking about? Like, like, that's it, not. It's, out. Like, it's like Homeward Bound kind of stuff. It's the one that comes out in a month. Yeah, it's uh, it's Jamie Fox and Will Ferrell. Well, there's uh, there's another oh. one. They're doing another one again. Yeah. But they did one back in the uh, aughts. I don't remember this. Snoop Dogg voiced a bloodhound. I I believe you. Did he play a character named Bloodhound in that uh, Starsky and Hutch movie? I think so. He's in Starsky and Hutch. That's Huggy Bear. Huggy Bear. That's what it is. Close enough. There we go. Huggy's Bear. Huggy Bear is not Bloodhound. We're now, now we are crossing Was our he a species. member of the Bloodhound Gang? I just put Definitely Snoop Dogg Blood and just pulled up four Crips. <laughs> yeah. It knows what's up. Uh, it's Crips. It's Crips, yeah. He keeps the answer, on the, the left side. Yeah, on the left side. side. Yeah, 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 yeah. We know. Everybody knows. <laughs> <laughs> if you've been paying attention, you already know Snoop Dogg's affiliation. <laughs> Although he did do a song with the game, I think is a blood about how the Bloods and the Crips should like. Stop beefing. Like, like hold hands and yeah. sing Kumbaya. It was, it was sort of a, yeah, if I remember the song correctly. Uh, I can't remember the title. Uh, have you found confirmation on Dustin's uh, Snoop Dogg voice to dog? <laughs> I'm working on it. Hey, okay. Uh, um, well, D- Dustin, you want to tell the people what we're here for while Arthur's hello, trying everybody. to confirm? Welcome again to the Good Trash Honor Cast. We gather around a table. We discuss the films you'll never discuss in film space course. We're in the middle of a marathon. We're doing the part threes, part tray, which is the third time we've done a marathon of third parts of franchises sometimes the third and final like a trilogy sometimes the third of many many more um but this case it is a third and final i suppose for now nope till they make till next year well we'll talk about rules next week i guess Uh, we will talk about rules there are rules i guess and we will discuss that when we get to discussing that however um we are doing kung fu panda part three today i am still dustin i'm still arthur i am still dalton and i you hope to find both myself and my people in this episode 
and also find out whether or not Snoop Dogg voiced a bloodhound in the odds. <laughs> yes, it's very important. Uh, so, uh, that being all said, uh, in case you have tuned in uh, never before and wish to know whether or not you are going to be spoiled on the ending of Kung Fu Panda 3, the answer is yes, but not yet. We'll wait. We'll give you some time to make up your mind whether or not you want to listen to the end. And the way in which you do that is by checking out the beats of the show we open up with a synopsis which is of course like a synopsis so just what is the movie kind of about then we do a uh, thumbs up thumbs down reviews very quickly in which we just talk about whether or not we like the movie or not and then we move into a game which is called expand the syllabus which might involve gentle spoilers after that point we get down to business there's business music to indicate the business has been gotten down to and uh, that is the point at which uh, all spoiler bets are then and therefore off. Having lots of fun picturing the person mad about Kung Fu Panda 3 spoilers I on mean, a you know, C-tier you... podcast. But they exist, <laughs> like I'm some sure. eight-year-old who stumbled across our podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, who's like really a Kung Fu Panda <laughs> head that's and has sc- been waiting to watch part three. <laughs> but that's the one that sends us anthrax in the mail. I mean, uh-huh. you know, it's, 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 a, it's a real concern. It's radicalized if the, if adolescence. That, if, if the newest generation starts using post again, I will be impressed. Well, the other kind of posting. Yes. <laughs> well, they might find out about it on the internet. <laughs> what is the snail mail you speak of? <laughs> so, um, there is that. Um, did we ever discover the bloodhound uh, live-action dogs that are not really talking with peanut butter in their mouths? And... I have not yet. Okay, well... No, unfortunately. It, it probably so is... So it was live-action dogs. Live-action dogs. Voiced by Snoop Dogg and okay. other people. Yeah, kind of like so... a Homeward Bound kind of situation. Okay, gotcha. All right, hmm. well, I'm going to keep working on this, but we'll... They'll just be in the background while we're doing what we're doing. So what, are, right. we, what are we doing? We're doing now thumbs up, thumbs down reviews. Do you want a synopsis of the movie? I do want a synopsis before that, yes. Continuing his, quote, legendary adventures of awesomeness, end quote, Poe must face <laughs> two hugely epic but different threats. One supernatural and the other a little closer to home. Mm. That comes from IMDb. Thanks, IMDb. You know, it's not that close to home. It's actually far, far away from home. That's the whole point. But we'll... but home is where the heart is. Is Oh, I see. Is that is that it? They're making a metaphor home there? Home is all of the friends we made along the way or something. I don't know. I meme? <laughs> he's, he's both memeing and just telling you what happens in most children's films. This yeah. is not wrong. Um, so, uh, I will go to you first, Dalton, since there's research happening on the yeah, side yeah. of uh, Mr. Arthur Gordon there. Happy to jump in. Uh, what would you say? Do you like Kung Fu Panda 3? Uh, yeah, it's fine, I guess. Uh, I have not seen Kung Fu Panda 2. Hmm. Um, I did have to uh, do a quick Wikipedia plot summary read, because I can't... Did it really impact the movie? Oh, wait, this just in. The movie was called Racing Stripes. Oh, so it's about horses and he... Oh, wait, is this about the zebra that becomes yeah. a racehorse? Yes. Okay, I remember this movie. Snoop Dogg is a dog in that. Stripes yes. tormentors since childhood uh, while Channing's bloodhound. Lightning is lazy and talks while he rests. Wow. So Lightning, uh, the bloodhound, was definitely played by Snoop Dogg. That's great. In the 2008 live-action movie Racing Stripes, directed by Frederick DeChow, uh, screenplay by David Schmidt, story by David Schmidt, Stephen P. Wagner, Kirk DeMitko, and Frederick Duchow. Wow, I bet it's a great movie with that many people working on the screenplay. <laughs> uh, starred Bruce Greenwood, Hayden Pantera, M. Emmett Walsh, uh, Wendy Malick, Frankie Muniz, Mandy Moore, Michael Clark Duncan, Jeff Foxworthy, Joshua Jackson, Joe Panalona, Michael Rosenbaum, Steve Harvey, David Spade, Snoop Dogg, Fred Thompson, Dustin Hoffman. Hey, Jeez. there's a connection. Jeez. Uh, and Whoopi Goldberg. What a cast. 
And cinematography by Dave Egby. Now, I do want to point out, because I like pointing out when he's wrong as often as possible, that this is not a Homeward Bound for Grown Ups movie. Well, no, it's, it's a Talking Animals yeah. voice by... You said Homeward Bound, and for me, that's dog movie. Well... <laughs> we got to be very distinct in our animal mm-hmm. genres around here. I, this is about, this I, is about I race animals. Live Lines <laughs> will be drawn. Live action animals voiced by famous people is Are what you I looking meant. forward to strays? I am a vaguely aware of strays. Okay. Therefore, no, not really. I can't wait to see you there. I'll there be... are like five movies he's excited for that hit theaters every year. I and everything think else lying. is weird festival stuff. That I think he's lying. I think he's going out to see all kinds of four-quadrant releases, and he's not telling us about it. Are you going to see Guardians 3? That's character depth right there, baby. I have not yet, but I would catch it if I was given... I don't know. I might. I saw it. It was good. I cried. I would like to see it. The second one made me cry, you know? Uh, Oh, I'm supposed to be telling you what I think about Kung Fu Panda 3. You are supposed to be doing that, Uh, yes. Off the rails. Now, I did read, like, as you said, Arthur, no, it didn't really make that much of a difference. But, you know, context being king, I couldn't go into part three not knowing what happened in part two. And apparently it was relevant because part three is a direct continuation of some events in two. Correct. Uh, as often happens in a franchise. But yeah, no, it's, it seems like I could have gotten away with not reading about what happened in two because it is mostly just about, re, you know, him finding his, his long lost family uh, who were apparently genocided in a flashback during part two. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. This is, it's a compelling children's film. It's fine. I had a good time. Uh, it did make me curious about part two. Um, I have seen the first Kung Fu Panda, uh, but that was probably 15 years ago when it first came out because uh, I was working at a movie theater and, uh, you know, got to make sure that the hard drive worked. You know, somebody's got to watch those pictures to make sure they work. Somebody's got to do it. Well, it's a noble work. Appreciate it's, you taking one. For you, the team. you know, I'm just trying to, to be of service. You're a real, yeah, self sacrificial hero. hero. Yeah, some would say that, that's exactly it. I watched Kung Fu Panda in 2008, so the fine people of the Warren Theater could. Watch their digital file with free of corruption. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't know if you like the Kung Fu Panda movies, you'll probably like this one. It's light on any real jokes, but big on like you know, people being charming in vocal performances. It's not like the funniest film ever, you know. And again, just even based on like the children's rubric of most children's films are operating at as a comedy at some level. Kind of weird how that's the default rule that most children's films are comedies. But uh, you know, it's it's got laughs, and I think Cranston and Jack Black are like compelling together as father and son. You know, vocal performances. Hoffman continues. You already mentioned him as part of the cast of Racing Stripes. Uh, he he m- continues to be the seafood. Fu Sifu, uh, which is an incredible joke, uh, really never stopped being funny to me. Mm-hmm. I had forgotten about that from the first one. Um, yeah, you know, and it's it's a bunch of overpaid, very famous people uh, coming in to um, do the English dub, and I'm sure they had similarly famous people do the French and German dubs. Yeah, I don't know. I think that's what I want to hear is Gerard Depardieu as as, <laughs> as, as Poe. <laughs> yeah, I'm very curious who the uh, the international cast is. But yeah, I, I don't know. It's fine. You know, uh, J.K. Simmons comes in clutch as a villain and is scary, and he's got green ghost goblins that follow him around, and oh, they're the ghosts of martial artists he's already claimed. You'll be next. And then Poe has to, like, free his friends. And yeah, it's fine. I, I don't know. I've seen worse children's films. I've seen better ones. Uh, and I've seen, you know, as far as 
evaluating it as a part three, I think, you know, it, it works in terms of like, we need to broaden the character's backstory. You know, this is kind of the part of a franchise where we kind of got to start answering like questions that we've not bothered answering before. And, uh, I, you know, I think they, they make the, the journey to Poe's backstory compelling enough. And that, you know, because that is sort of the backbone of this film's story, that's got to work. And since that works, the film is mostly a success for me. Very good, very good. What do you say, Arthur? Do you like Kung Fu Panda 3? Um, it was fun. Uh, I think there's some gorgeous animation throughout. Um, there's some just really drop-dead gorgeous sequences, I think, especially some of the expository stuff, some of the background-type stuff. The kind of transitional pieces uh, are, are just... I mean, the whole movie's, I mean, well-designed, I think, but those uh, there's some just shifts in animation styles throughout that are about, yeah. just really gorgeous. Um, and so that's fun. Uh, it's fun. It's harmless. I, you know, I laughed a few times. I enjoyed it. I like the concept of jade zombies or zombies. Uh, that's fun. <laughs> um, I, I like. Uh, I, I think uh, there's a lot of heart in James Wong or James Hong as as the dad. Totally. Um, which just really works. I think that's one of the better things about this. The the that little arc uh, between him and Cranston's. Uh, Lee is that his character's name? I, I think remember. so. Yeah. Um, which is is just really endearing, I think, and and Hong's so good, I think, as in the voice performance. Uh, I think overall the performances are about what you expect from a animated movie where everybody is played by an A lister or B lister. Like it is in that trend, mm, um, big time. Like kids care about casting, uh, which is a weird flex. Um. I, th- I think of all of them, though, I, I really think Kate Hudson's having fun as May May. Mm, like, mm-hmm. there's just something about her performance which is just so silly and over the top, but it, it's really endearing as you well. Yeah, that was going to be Rebel Wilson, and she had a scheduling conflict. That oh, fun. interesting. Yeah, I uh, I really like Hudson there. I think yeah, she's, she's just having a blast though. Yeah, though. She's great. She wasn't really doing anything what? in that era. Kind yeah, of a, kind of a preview of her getting to really cut loose in Glass Onion about six years later. Yeah. yeah. Um. And so it's fine. It's harmless. Uh, I would probably have more buy-in um, if I was more of a kung fu person or more of a dad. I don't panda know. Panda person. Yeah. yeah. I hate pandas. <laughs> uh, I want to round up every one of them. Uh, uh, J.K. Simmons isn't wrong. I, I'm on his side in this movie. Um, <laughs> how Stella got his chi back is a, is a fun time. Um, it's Yeah. I mean, it's. It is what it is. It is a very fun, very good time. Yeah. I think it checks all the boxes of what it's trying to do. I think Jack Black is very good. Uh, just an absolute wonderful guy uh, at every level, I think. Uh, it looks good. I think kids probably really would like it. It's a tight 90. Uh, most animated movies don't need to be over 90 minutes long. Nah. Um, very rarely is that the case. I think this one's tight and it keeps it right. It's paced well. Um, we get some fun mythos. We get some fun characters. Uh, it's a good time. And so it is a, a harmless time at the movies for 90 minutes. Very good. Very good. Dustin, you've written a book on Kung Fu and film. Writing, but yes. Uh, you know, it's mostly done. <laughs> mostly, yeah. So what do you think about that? And, I, and you like pandas. I, I do like pandas. Animated or real. Uh, in, in this is instances. your second time visiting this film. I think it's only the second time. I don't. I think I've only seen it the one time before this. Because you're uh, a big fan of the the second Kung Fu Panda. I do right? like Kung Fu pa- Panda two a lot, okay. and this is the the first film in the trilogy so far that was not nominated for an Academy Award uh, for best animated feature. And yeah, that's right. Um, that's where I come down. It, it is um, the third best out of a good set. 
if that makes any sense. I think it's really, really good. Yeah, it's 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 just it's kind of slight. It's kind of light, airy, breezy, frothy, yummy, delicious, but also mm-hmm. not a lot of substance, mm-hmm. and that is. Not a problem at all. I do think, like Dalton said earlier, that it is funny. Uh, it does make me laugh. But I, I think you hit on a good point. It's not so much jokes as it is these sort of bits of business that are just amusing. You're just, you're mm-hmm. having a good time the whole time. Mm-hmm. And you chuckle or laugh out loud. But mm-hmm. it, it, it really sort of hits in that that particular range or, or register of comedy really, really well. There's also something that's really endearing to me, and I just thought about it. When a group of ragtags get assembled to take on like an equipped group. Mm-hmm. Yes. Whether it's a sports team, army or whatever. Like there's just something kind of Ernest P. Worrell versus the uh, bad industrialist with all the campers. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Seven Samurai. Yeah. The yeah. farmers have to fight the bandits. Yeah. yeah. That shit's good. Yeah, yeah. It's golden. In case you were wondering, listener, uh, Zootopia won best animated feature uh, the year. This would have been eligible for nomination. Fine. It's also Kubo and the Two Strings year. Ooh. Moana. My Life is a Zucchini. The Red Turtle. Those what were a year. Arms. Yeah. It's yeah. a good year. And it's, I mean, it's, it's so, the year Moonlight. Almost didn't win and then did win. So fun Oscars, if nothing else. But uh, yeah, I mean, again, Panda 3 did not get nominated, and and that's that's fine. I mean, it's not as good as any of those movies, probably. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't have strong opinions about this kind of stuff. But yeah, it's it's the third best out of a pretty good set, you know. And I don't know what more you want to say about it than that. Uh, I do think that uh, the animation style, the way in which it varies its animation styles are really, really great. And the use of different looks for different parts of the world and or other world, netherworld, beyond the world. And um, I I love Master Uguay. I love the script that found a way that we were able to keep a character who died in the last, or the first episode, the first um, entry, and uh, be able to have more Uguay uh, back in his the the, the the Tai Chi fighting uh, turtle master is very very fun and I you know I love my kung fu or ninja turtles however I can get them so I am I'm keen on that but yeah it's a good time and everything about it really really works for me but it's um it's fine yeah, it, it, yeah. It's, it's 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 a good kids movie and it's a pretty good kung fu movie and there's a there's a weird thing it does that I really like in that. You know, the sort of wushu kind of wire work, kind of impossible thing Mm -hmm. that you see in a lot of kind of high-end martial arts films. It plays with that, but it creates its own cartoon uh, physics in which it it makes sense that it happens, as opposed to just, we're just going to deal with the fact these people are flying, Mm -hmm. like you might deal with in a crouching tiger, hidden dragon kind of situation. This is, yes, they are, and somehow there's a physics that makes it work. And I'm kind of down with that. You know, the physics of throwing big pieces of rock and mountains at people or whatever they happen to be doing or jumping, you know, many, many stories high. Well, or even it's, you know, even if it's not as the the, uh, martial arts physics, it's uh, as simple as um, the the ways it incorporates the panda community's panda ness mm-hmm. into their fighting. Their rolliness to uh, yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> combine, yeah, make that into a fighting skill, which yeah. is very, very fun. Um, I, I really, again, it's a very good time, and I enjoy it very thoroughly. So there you go, dear listener. Our biases are generally pro regarding Kung Fu Panda 3. We're going to move on to the next part of the show in which we expand the syllabus. Arthur, can you explain what that's about? Expanding the syllabus is a thought experiment wherein we, the host, assemble an academic course or module within a course based around the assigned viewing for the week and adjacent texts from books and articles to tangentially related films and stories. 
Yes, that is the thing that we are doing now. So, uh, with that, Arthur, do you come prepared with the syllabus? Yeah, I do. I think uh, as this was opening up and we get that fun little uh, DreamWorks title card with Poe getting up there on the moon. I and thought then the movie had started. Yeah, it was a, <laughs> it was a cute little bit. Uh, and that got me thinking about uh, animation studios and... Uh, maybe looking at that and probably maybe you, I mean, you could do a whole animation class, which would be fun. Uh, so maybe something like that, or it could be a module within a, maybe a productions class, uh, focusing on production houses or something, but we would probably look at animation studios. Um, uh, going to keep it mostly English speaking here because I mean, geez, worldwide, you know, just so many. Yeah. A ton of animation houses. So many. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so obviously I think we'd start with Disney. We got to start with the house of mouse. Uh, we'd take a look at Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. We'd go all the way back to 37 and take a look at that and look at... I think what I'd want to focus on in this class is looking at how house styles developed, how house styles evolved, right? And obviously Disney has a huge... I mean, almost 100 years now yeah. of, of longevity and evolution and changing of the guard uh, to explore. But I think that's what we look at. We look at Don Blue Studios. I think we take a look at Land Before Time in 88. Nice. Um, which spawned like... 25,000 sequels so or something. Um, just a ginormous franchise. I mean, yeah, that was Blue's moneymaker. Yeah, yeah, just insane. Uh, I think we'd look at that, kind of comparing that style, obviously looking at maybe All Dogs Go to Heaven, uh, Five Will Goes West, or An American Tale, either one or both. Uh, we'd look at Ardman, uh, really switch it up, go stop motion. Mm. Uh, we took it to Wallace and Gromit and everything going on uh, with them. We'd come back, we'd take a look at Pixar, pre-House sure. of Mouse, um, and, and that weird state they're in as this entity bef distributed by Disney, but before fully under the banner of Disney. Yeah, financed by Apple. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, weird background, but game-changing with Toy Story, and that's where we'd look. I mean, absolutely changes uh, the animation game, uh, gets Disney kind of off of their toes for a, a, about a decade, yeah. I'd say. Um, before they can kind of catch back up or just purchase the enemy, one of the two. <laughs> um, and then we get into DreamWorks, and we'd probably talk about Shrek. I don't have it properly on here, but we have to talk about Shrek when we talk about DreamWorks animation. Uh, we got to talk about the introduction of Shrek and the way in which it swept in and got the Oscar that was uh, reintroduced re or introduced for Disney uh, with the goal of getting them some Oscars, and, and here comes Shrek to uh, take that away from Monsters, Inc., <laughs> Uh, in the uh, 2000s, uh, which is a fun little bit that occurs. Uh, we talk about Illumination, uh, which pops up later. We talk about Despicable Me and uh, the the rise of the Minion, unfortunately, and what that means. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the fun there, the humor there, and I think there's, you know, not only stylistically, but also writing humor that's different between these different animation studios as well is, is an interesting approach. Uh, we'd look at Sony Animation. We talk about Into the Spider Verse. Another, I mean, has rapidly changed the game in the way animation is occurring now. There are so many movies coming out now that are influenced by uh, mm -hmm. what that team did with Spider Verse, and I think it's really cool uh, how it really broke the mold in what you could do with uh, animation. Uh, we'd look at Laika, and we probably you already mentioned it, but we do Kubo and the Two Strings. I think it's yeah. my kind of favorite of that it's a cool movie two. yeah yeah uh but they've you know again stop motion getting into that uh the kind of house style especially comparing that with something more traditional like ardman mm -hmm. um and we probably even bring in uh burton style i mean it's nice. kind of you know work with disney work with other studios but talking frank and weenie talking uh nightmare talking james and the giant peach uh corpse bride as well looking at all that 
And then we probably look at Rankin Bass mm-hmm. uh, to nice. close, nice. do The Hobbit, and do some of those those pieces as well in, in comparison. Just kind of looking at all these different animation studios and where they try to set themselves apart, where they just tried to ape maybe from Disney, uh, how they tried to establish their own voice, their own tone, their own look, and how they tried to move forward and evolve from there. Would you consider like Warner Animation and their work with comic book adaptation? Like their run of animated movies? Yeah, yeah. You could, yeah. I was thinking about them, I was thinking about Lego Movie as well. Mm -hmm. And obviously, I mean, you can go back into the archives and talk the tunes and looney tunes as well but that's an interesting partnership with that sort of intellectual property of dc and the way in which like they'll directly you know the dark Knight or year one or whatever yeah Yeah. that kind of pipeline Mm -hmm. that they've got which is yeah i don't know of another studio doing anything well i'm glad you got like that like rankin bass in there some of the not necessarily independent animation but sort of the the b string as far as like also rands and the history of animation makes me think about you mentioning Leica and uh, I forget the studio that is Wallace and Gromit the English studio Ardman. Ardman. Uh but you bring up stop motion of course made me think about Phil Tippett doing his fucking just weird 30 year undertaking of well, I'm gonna make the craziest stop motion thing anyone's ever seen yeah. and it's just like oh yeah so weird that Mad God can exist in the same medium that contains Wallace and Gromit yeah <laughs> it's it fun very cool, very cool. Well, Dalton, do you have a syllabus prepared for us today? Yeah, I w- I'd want to do something about... Uh, you could either do this as a storytelling class, um, you know, screenwriting conventions, or I, I think it could be fun as a, you know, a module within a uh, sociology or anthropology class. Uh, but I, I'd like to look at stories about rediscovering your roots, returning these return-to-home narratives that we get. And it's interesting that Kung Fu Panda-like is part of a current modern cinema tradition of people from Southeast Asia who were raised in the West, like returning to their home. Cause you've got the Kung Fu Panda three narrative, but then of course you've also got uh, Lulu Wang's film, the farewell uh, mm. starring Aquafina, uh, mm. and then return to soul from last year, which is also uh, kind of part of this, the same, uh, this movement of stories. And it's, I, I know it's silly to, to lump Kung Fu Panda three in with these other two, like very serious, you know, live action films inspired by people's real life stories. And and yet Kung Fu Panda 3, like, does mm-hmm. kind of share something with these films. Yeah, there's something there, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Uh, so I, I definitely, I think we'd look at the, the Southeast Asian diaspora and, and how it relates to these films uh, and how these stories kind of can tell us a lot about sort of movements of ethnic communities in, in the modern world. And, you know, we can talk about how those movements begin. It's usually through conflict or, you know, uh, resource catastrophes, you know, all, all sorts of bad things lead to uh, movements of populations and, and good things too. So I mean, we can kind of talk about sort of the, the nature of, of that stuff. Uh, took a, take a look at a couple of other kind of different re- returning to home movies, more uh, the, the, the shamed child who must uh, return home to, to try and save mm-hmm. face. Home the, is a place where when you go there, they have to take you in. They have, yeah, they yeah. have no choice but to re- accept your your return. Uh, so yeah, Jonathan Demme's Rachel Getting Married, a film that I just love, mm-hmm. great film, uh, really great about this kind of subject matter. Uh, very heavy movie. Uh, you know, um, some would say too heavy. You know, it almost veers into like so heavy, it's it's kind of comical. If if mm-hmm. you you know, I, I I could see that argument being made for this film. I don't necessarily feel that way, but it definitely has got a, an air of melodrama to it. But I think the the performances are so dialed in that it does like 
feel very genuine and real and lived in. Uh, and then I would also look at A24's recent uh, bomb, Bo is Afraid, uh, a film that'll take 30 years to make its money back, but boy, should it. Uh, what a weird movie. Uh, and a good movie about sort of the the odyssey of returning home and the, the sort of this this mythological place home can occupy in the mind uh, and, and how, you know, we, you can sort of build up a place uh, and make it scarier than it really is. Uh, I'd also like to look at Jane Campion's Top of the Lake uh, mm-hmm. with Elizabeth Moss, you know, about this mm-hmm. detective who returns home to investigate a crime. Uh, another he- another heavy one. Uh, a lot of these stories about going back home have got some pretty intense subject matter. Uh, and I, I, you know, that drama helps for sure because it, it brings all of the unspoken stuff to the surface. I think the last one we'd look at is Diablo Cody and, um, oh my gosh, I forget the director's name, but a young adult, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. with uh, Charlie's Theron. Uh, really good movie. Uh, that's the one I'd want to close out on. Uh, yeah, you can't think of his name either. I know. Yeah, what's his, what's his name, son? Yeah, exactly. I know. It's what's his name, son, is all I can think Reitman. of. Jason Reitman. Is it Jason? Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah. Uh, yeah, Ivan's his dad. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the Diablo Cody, Jason Reitman team-ups are all really solid. Mm-hmm. And I think this one might be my favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a, kind it's of a, good. a nasty yeah. film. It is. Yeah. But, like, yeah. really he- true. Like, feels very honest yeah. and, and heartfelt. But, like, yeah, is about a pretty unrepentant person. Mm-hmm. And uh, I like that about it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it is interesting how this character returns home and has to see all of their worst aspects reflected back on them. And they... They see it, have a moment of clarity, and go, nah, I'm pretty happy with who I am, mm. and go on about their life. And I think all of these stories kind of give us something <clears throat> unique about the idea of home, unique about the idea of identity, uh, about sort of the self-formulation that has to take place. Um, again, I think these are all valuable and all kind of reflect different things about that, that return to home narrative. Mm. Uh, Dustin, how would you teach Kung Fu Panda 3 in a class? I think if I was using Kung Fu Panda 3, I would probably not use it as a class itself, nor even as a module in a class. But I think in an intro to film studies course where I'm teaching montage, I think the training montage is really strong and interesting. It's a good one, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Because the way in which it breaks the frames sort of plays mm-hmm. with the animated ness of it. And, and, and again, just taking full advantage of the medium itself mm-hmm. because we're not using live action here. I think it's really interesting. So, of course, what would you pair that with? I think you use Karate Kid. Yeah. You use a little Rocky because Rocky's great. And then um, I think my last pick for uh, possible uh, montages is the um, dancing training montage of Footloose. Because nice. something other than fight sports, uh, because there are a number of ways in which it could be used, and so I mean, there's a, I mean, a gazillion of them out there uh, that are available for you. But I think uh, Kung Fu Panda does present to us one of the more interesting innovations in the world of the um, training montage, and that's kind of fun training those pandas to roll and fight and do what they got. It's a good do. sequence, yeah. yeah. yeah it's yeah. good times. So there you go, dear listener. Your syllabus just got much longer. I believe now it's time we get down. To business. All right, Dustin, you're the Kung Fu Panda expert. Okay. <laughs> you, you say this is this is third of three, right? Mm-hmm. But for not, now. Okay. For now. We'll see what four brings us. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there anything in particular that you go to for the, to this, for this franchise, you know, is there any like 
overarching theme that like really speaks to you? Do you just like the or the no. martial arts? Just the milieu? kung fu panda. It's yeah. just it's just the kung fu panda. It's just Jack Black. <clears throat> yeah. entertains me. Like, yeah, and he's great. You know, uh, authentic battle damage. Uh, I mean, mm. you know, what, what else do you want? I mean, the, the that opening sequence in the first film where he has his dream about you know there's no charge for awesomeness or handsomeness. Mm-hmm. You know, it just. It's yeah. very funny, and uh, I, I love how full of himself he is and completely um, uh, lacking in self-confidence, and I, I love his dopiness and his absolute just joyous fanboyism. All of those things about him, just it, it just charms the stew out of me, so I'm, I'm just kind of there for that character, and it just happens to be you know, glommed on into the world of a Kung Fu movie. So yeah, I'm yeah, there for sort it. of a, the, the kind of the classic milieu of Wushu yes. fantasy films. Yeah. So it's, it's just a good time for me. And that's really more, it, it's light and fluffy, but I'm, I'm there for it. You know, and I, mm. I mean, most Wushu films are, I got these, you know, strong things about revenge and, and, and family debts and honor mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and unrequited love. And, and, you know, you, you talked about your syllabus and, you know, sort of how heavy and deep these, these returning to home narratives are. A lot of wushu cinema, though, there's a lot of good fun fight stuff. It's, you know, this long, you know, love from a distance and it'll never ever be met. Or long ago I was avenged or, or wronged and now I will be re- avenged kind of stuff. And it's just, it's good, but I'm not always in the mood for ponderous mm-hmm. with my with my fighty fighty punch punch movies. And sure. sometimes I just need my fighty fighty punch punch movies to make me giggle. And um, Kung Fu Panda does that for me. I think as a fighty fighty punch punch movie, you know, it's kind of interesting how few fights there are in this one. Correct. I've kind of seen that thrown around as a, I, I went looking at the Kung Fu Panda three discourse because I was curious. Oh, yeah. And that is sort of one critique I see of this from pe- people who are fans of the franchise is, you know, they love the fight choreography in these films and like that the, the animation of the fights is like something that people find really impressive about these movies. And there is sort of a, a feeling that this one's kind of a little light on that. There's only what, three Four set pieces, maybe. Yeah, maybe yeah really. Like that, I mean, yeah. you get the opening with Kai and uh, yeah, the turtle Uwe, Uwe in the yeah. Rand- spirit realm. Randall then- Duck Kim, by the way, the yeah. key maker from the Matrix. Yeah, yeah, we love him. And as Dustin said, he's a character from the first movie. Yeah, it's just a fun performance. Yeah, he's probably one of my favorite characters. There's, yeah, I just am very endeared by his. Yeah, Uwe's sick. Yeah, he's fun. <laughs> uh, and then we get the uh, the initial assault on the the town. Yeah, where they intervene. Mm-hmm. And then we get the end. Yeah, they blow up the school. Yeah. In between the then and the end. But yeah, it's like four, three or four. It's very minimal. Yeah. yeah. Which is interesting. Yeah, uh, not not super, yeah, not not nearly like what you see in two or mm-hmm. or, the, or the original we one. We do get so. Poe's fun training uh, where he initially tries to teach the class and it is the danger room gone wrong. Yes. Well, that's what I like about this one. I think that as far as like how do you continue this wushu narrative into a third entry? I think like the student must now become the master. It's like a fun place for the story to go. And it's, you know, it is very interesting that this, as Dustin said, like kind of the defining traits of this character, like a lack of self-confidence mixed with unmeasured bravado, Mm -hmm. and which is, you know, of course you get Jack back for that. Like Mm -hmm. he's so good in this role. And I think it is interesting that like, part of his his arc is like finding the confidence to like impart things to other people especially those like people he looks up to and uh you know it's it's good you know good stuff for a family film absolutely 
Uh, I do think, you know, thinking about these A-list actors and uh, the mm. ways in which uh, the, the the script plays itself out, I think the script is written in a way around the schedules of generally unavailable actors. This is a payday for Seth Rogen, for uh, Dustin Hoffman, for uh, Michael D- Cross. David Cross. David Cross. Yeah. Um, and... Mm. Michael Cross is somebody else. Yeah, uh, that's, a, that's a local, that's a local public radio lo- person. Lo- local public radio, sorry. Uh, David Cross and uh, others. Uh, it, it seems to me that b- jombying them mm-hmm. was a way around this issue of, like, we want to do a third movie. We really can't get everybody here. So we can get Angelina here a little bit more so we won't let Tigers get jombied out and we'll have yeah. her play a role. But it's going to be basically Jack Black and Brian Cranston. We want, we want more Angelina in this one, and that means we've got to have less of everybody else to afford more Angelina. Angelina yeah. yeah. So I don't know if it's budgetary or, sure. or scheduling or, con- you know, but I, I do think there's a, a production question to be asking regarding the ways in which scripts are written and rewritten to hmm. fit the availability of characters, especially in animated film, and also the ways in which scripts are written and rewritten to fit you know who you actually end up casting. Because I'm, yeah. I'm guarantee you, once you get Brian Cranston, you're going to rewrite Lee Lynn Lee Lee yeah. to fit, fit that fit yeah. that character right. Well, it's a question of, that we get in sort of the modern tentpole ecosystem. I think it's a really valuable question to ask because so many of these films, animated or live action, have really stacked casts and that kind of creates some scheduling issues like if you you've got a cast full of people who are like in demand and really working Mm -hmm. that's how you get these gross weird shots of people who are clearly not in the same room together and they're both sort of in their own unique voids and you're going back to these one and two shots of these people who clearly never interacted it is you know sort of a fixture of of modern filmmaking that that uh you want less of for Mm -hmm. sure, but I definitely, I think you're right to like kind of question when the film is going out of its way to sideline certain characters. You do have to start with, especially with casts like this, as you said, like, I think it's a valuable question. Yeah. Yeah. And I get, I think that's a, that's a fun thing, you know, for an historical project is, is the thing about production history Mm -hmm. in that sense. And, you know, we, we do a lot of theory here, but you know, the history itself, the, the sort of material circumstances are always interesting and important. Uh, for that, uh, we can move then into I don't know what we want to talk. We want to talk about woo woo and tai chi, or I mean, what do you want to do? Um, okay, <laughs> we got lots we could do. I mean, there's you know we've got sort of both a dual daddy's narrative, yes, uh, and also a disappointing daddy narrative. Like we've got quite a few things going on with the daddy issues or the the, the mentor figures. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's a lot of different variations on the sort of the, uh, the role of. Whether it's a family member or some, you know, an, a found family member or, you know, just somebody that you look up to as a colleague, like it does very much become about passing knowledge on to people, sharing with others, and then sort of like cultivating a, some sort of sense of like community and collaboration, which right. I think is interesting. And then that's, you know, the moment of failure or disappointment is learning that his dad does not have you know, this magic knowledge to pass on to him. They're just going to have to muddle through it together. Right. It's sort of an interesting arc for the film. Like it has to give Brian Cranston this moment to admit that he's, you know, been lying and mm-hmm. have this sort of reckoning in, in, for the characters. Mm-hmm. And we had to find, I, it's been a week now since I've watched the film. I'm trying to remember how they repair that rift. Is it just like, they, they just decide they're going to try to figure it out. I think he decides yeah. he's going to fight with him. Yeah. yeah. Is it, it's like, know? I'll fight with you no matter what. And, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. His dad comes, uh, uh, James Hong comes to Brian Cranston and they, 
kind of talk. Like, that's right. Like, your son found out yeah. you're human kind of thing. And, yeah, then, yeah, and that's, like, that's kind of what the metaphor like, is. My yeah. son is mad at me. And Hong's like, welcome to kids. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> kind yeah. of a thing. So it's, the it's idea, a growing pains situation. Yeah. Chi being the sort of thing that we, we sometimes accuse our parents of. Like, I can't believe you didn't prepare me for this and know mm-hmm. all these magic tricks. And like, I didn't know either. I just figured it out, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and then coming to that realization seems to be kind of the real world narrative of that. It does seem that uh, Papa Goose can do no wrong. Even when he's like sneaks along for the trip and like mm-hmm. I want to make sure you eat right. It's like and well, no, of course that's not why, but it's okay. You know, there's there's no way the film forgives all things, and it's not like he ever does anything all that sort of out of bounds. Yeah. But it definitely does sort of set up a, a dichotomy between that dad versus much more duplicitous, you know, yeah. weird Brian Cranston uh, panda dad. Yeah, Ping is like pretty uncomplicatedly a great dad mm-hmm. and is such a good dad he teaches lee to be a better dad yeah it is kind of a fun writing for that character i guess but you know he's he's been in since the first movie and that's sort of like his defining trait is his supportiveness of poe so it makes sense for this third movie for that to like be kind of about a, a foundational block of like his arc but also like the way his arc ties into Poe and Lee's kind of larger thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's already this inherent like trust issue with Lee because, you know, why didn't you come? Abandonment. You know, why, yeah, why yeah. didn't you come sooner? Why, you know, whatever. Uh, you can, you know, try to say. And I think that kind of is once again reinforced when he lies. And then, right, it's just yeah. kind of more salt in a wound that may or may not be there, but Poe probably thinks is there in some way. Which is not overly complicated. I mean, in every yeah. sense, every time there's a sort of a, a frailty or fallibility here, it's all sort of for the best of intentions mm-hmm. yeah, you know, yeah. all the way across. Yeah. Sure, sure. Yeah. Well, it is, you know, it is, it's a kid's movie. It's though. a kid's movie. Yeah, we yeah. got to wrap it up in 90 minutes, so we can't get too complicated. But it is interesting that they make these gestures to sort of like larger... No. Like, you know, family can be super complex. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the gestures towards that, I think, are really cool. Yeah. And Ping yeah. says something while he says, uh, you know, sometimes we do the wrong thing for the right reasons, mm-hmm. which is really kind of the heart of this. And yeah, a really good talking point. Like, this is one of those movies where I think, you know, you can watch it with the kids sit down and be like, let's talk about some of this stuff and go through totally. some of these. You know, yeah. like, I think that's kind of the, the benefit of this. And it, it does kind of simplify very complex issues, but I think it does it in a way that's still teachable and discussing and you know, things like that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and again, just to kind of reiterate what I was already saying in terms of like the lessons, like you said, are great. And just, you know, people have different family structures yeah. and sort of like this highlighting of, and, and that's yeah. been a, you know, that's part of Kung Fu Panda back to the first movie. It's yeah. like the idea of Poe being an adopted person and, uh, you know, it's super valuable stuff as far as narratives go. Uh, and it's again, the reconciliation of the birth parent and the adopted parent. Like, I think that stuff is super charming and great for a kids movie mm-hmm. and, you know, not something we see a ton of. And usually when we have it and, you know, adult fiction, it's got to be a little bit more complicated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There, yeah. Be- well, it, it is kind of refreshing that the, the, you know, the, the dual parents, there isn't a ton of animosity. No, I mean, we see really. a bit, but, you know, Hong's a little Up jealous, top, yeah. but I mean, it makes sense. Sure. You know, I would think that, but I mean, it does kind of feel refreshing that we've got these two parents who aren't automatically at odds in yeah. that kind of very aggressive way. You're so right. And I think the way Ping is like written, like his jealousy is kind of resolved very naturally. And he just kind of like, he grows to be endeared towards Lee. Mm-hmm. Uh, now you've mentioned that that scene where they kind of come together. And he's like, yeah, welcome to parenthood. Like it mm-hmm. is such a good moment for the two of them to like, kind of, there's not really ever a rift in that relationship, but they really kind of come to a mutual understanding yeah. in a way that's just like really good for the screenplay. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. 
do we want to talk about this idea that like there's always more for a master to learn? That's something we get a lot of with sure. Uguay, Shifu, and Poe. Like all three of them are like talking about how you have to continue to learn. Lifelong learner. Kind yeah. Of, yeah. I mean, and, and what, what we're doing right now, just to point out, you know, the, these children's movies are very, very thin in their themes, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, we're, you know, then it does touch on that sort of moral, you know, to the sort of Aesop's fabulization of it. Um, but yeah, I think it hits that it, just like the the first film hits on the idea that the real treasure is inside yourself, mm-hmm. you know, with the dragon scroll or you've got to face your past in order to move to your future. You know, it, just well, and then does the, that yeah. general like you know what the sort of the lesson for the village is there a name for Panda Village? Is it just Panda Village? Secret Panda Village? Yeah, yeah okay. I don't remember them ever giving it an the, actual the name. The denizens of Secret Panda Village like have to learn to embrace like their own themness, right? And it's like very you know family friendly kids kids film like moral, but I think a fun yeah. one. Yeah. As you said, it's, it's all pretty surface level, but like, a, you know, ties into this lifelong learner thing mm-hmm. and is like this sort of message of acceptance that we get from the, the two dads narrative kind of ties into this like, yeah, accept everyone in the community and like help them shine however they mm-hmm, shine. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and of course, they have to use it to defeat an evil magic kung fu wizard but. right and the evil magic kung fu wizard's got the same kind of moral it's the, it's the jeff goldblum jurassic park moral of you stood on the shoulders of geniuses without actually taking the time to learn the discipline yourself you know the reason why a black belt in karate is not a, just a dangerous human being running around is because they spent years and years learning self-discipline mm-hmm. and so here this um you know water buffalo creature is um getting all this extra power without learning any of it mm-hmm. right and so that's inherently dangerous and i mean i don't it didn't say anything more about it other than it just shows it to be yeah dangerous yeah i think it's useful though mm-hmm. and again i all of these themes we're talking about are life lessons uh, things stuff. life lessons yeah it, things that you can do keep keep it light keep it surface level and still say you said something mm-hmm. which i think is all we really need from a children's film at the end of the day you know, some positive moral messaging. Yeah, uh, good conversation it, for the milkshake afterward at Brahms. Right? Yeah, yeah. What'd you think of the movie? Oh, gee, was well, scary when he did that. You're right. <laughs> what? You and your milkshakes and movies. I like I like ice cream. The weird close association you have with the two. You know that Dippin' Dots is starting to pop off at movie theaters. What? Dippin' Dots are back. Yeah, mm. theater over by our house. Let's go. Yeah, ice cream in the future. Man. Oh, the yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they Icon do have Theater. That. And they yeah, got Dippin' they Dots, do and I saw Dippin' Dots at uh, Warren the last time I went down there. Mm. Yeah, interesting, <laughs> fancy uh, <laughs> ice cream at the movies. Who would have thought? Can you put Dippin' Dots in your popcorn? I mean, they'd melt immediately, right? Yeah, but it kind of just like coat the ice cream because they're so small. Ooh, You're a monster. Why? <laughs> I don't know. It sounds like soggy popcorn to me. That's that is sort of what you're afraid of. Popcorn in your soda and eat it. No, no. I did that as a kid. Did it a little dip into it? I mean, I'll yeah. definitely like. I knew people who put peanuts in their sodas. Mm, my mom would do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Truly, no fouler smell than the sludge that is created when soda and popcorn mix. Correct. People who've worked at a theater know what I'm talking yes. about. Yeah, you know Dustin. Mm. Yeah, truly just buttering corn and coke, dude. It's so gross. It's just yeah, it turns nasty. into a slurry. It's yeah, just it's the worst just, stuff yeah, ever. The, the soda just dissolves the popcorn immediately. Yeah, utterly yeah. inhuman stuff, man. It's it's yeah, awful. It's funny. 
Uh, I, well, I think fondly on the Kung Fu Panda movies for that reason, though. Mm-hmm. You know, it's I, I know you've got this same thing, Dustin. I know this is this is just hi. Welcome to talking about our relationships with the movies. Hours. This is that part of the podcast. Right, right. It's a thin episode. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I that's Kung Fu Panda makes me think about working at the movies. Yeah, uh, and I know you've got a couple of those. And yeah, it's yeah. Just, yeah. It's just a good time. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a good movie, and it's and it's just you know you're you're never mad you watched it, I, and I think that really. Well, I think there's something about you know outside of maybe the voice cast. There's nothing about this that kind of screams cash grab. Like there's just, I think it just has a lot of heart and a lot of earnestness mm-hmm. to it that yeah, a lot yeah. of other franchises don't necessarily. Yeah, it's a successful film franchise, sure, but it doesn't feel like anyone's phoning it in. You're well, so right. And the and the gesture and the earnestness is not. It's earned earnestness. It's mm-hmm. not gestured or you know mm-hmm. this means family Vin Diesel kind of Fast Five kind of yeah faked earnest earnesty earnestness mm-hmm. earnestishness. We don't Ernest have time for me to push back on Ernest that, but I think, I think there's Ernest some Bass. real Ern- earnestness in those films. <laughs> Ernest P. Worrell. <laughs> Twice in one show. Wow. Ernest goes to jail. Let's render a verdict. Ernest goes to the Secret Panda <laughs> Island Express. He is going to the Secret Panda Island. What do we say about Kung Fu Panda 3? Shelf or trash? I go to you first, Dalton. Ah, this is... No, you don't need to shelf this movie. What? Come on. No. I mean, if you want to get the first Kung Fu Panda, that's reasonable. If you want to be a completionist, okay, sure. But uh, I think you can live without this unless you've got small children who are absolutely, you know, panda pilled. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Uh, I think you can get away without owning this, but it is a very charming film, and I'm glad it's on streaming, and I'm glad we watched it. Thank you so much. What do you say, Arthur? Yeah, I, I, I would very, very just gently uh, toss this on on top of the trash, uh, on top of a gentle pile of day old uh, dumplings, just very gently mm. on top. I, I would think the completionist only also. Yeah. Um, but that being said, if you only own Kung Fu Panda 1 and 2, you're not doing bad. No. It's just if you have children, they're going to require more panda in their lives. And so, you know, take it as will. But I would probably say I have, it's not on my shelf. I have I have 1 and 2. I've not bought 3, and I don't need to. So There's I'm, worse movies to show your kids, for real. Absolutely. But I will gently trash it. But yes, um if Rosie really gets into it, I might buy the third one yet. But as of Get now, the special collector's edition steelbook Blu-ray with forty hours of extra features. Yeah, I'm good. I didn't can't wait it. for the Criterion release of <laughs> the Kung Fu Panda trilogy. That's true. Just talking about true mastery. We get to the top of the mountain. This movie is kind of cool, you know, because it it brings up that idea that everything can be kung fu. I mean, this comes up mm-hmm. in everything, everywhere, all at once. But the like the word kung fu is not like actually about martial it's fighting about mastery yeah well, mm. you know that's cool you know, rolling down a hill can be kung fu hugs can be kung fu mm. it's good shit indeed i agree so with that dear listener that concludes our show dalton will tell you how you can disagree with us yeah that's right if you hate hugs and you hate <laughs> c- the power of community and and self-acceptance uh why, yeah, not the show for you, probably. Uh, I don't know. If you got Kung Fu Panda 3 thoughts, let us know. It's goodtrashgenrecast at gmail.com for your long-form feedback. That's the name of the show you're listening to at gmail.com. Uh, for any of that long-form feedback, i would be happy to see it. Uh, you can also find us over on Twitter, at Good Trash Media, posting links to podcast episodes, uh, cool articles we find, 
friends of ours shows, all kinds of fun stuff. Again, that's at Good Trash Media on Twitter if you want to keep up to date with us on socials. Uh, last but certainly not least, if you want to help us keep the lights on, pay our hosting fees and all that good stuff, you can go to patreon.com forward slash GTM and get a little info on what's in it for you. All kinds of fun bonus perks like getting a movie sent to your house uh, format pending on donation. But uh, yeah, movie sent to your house or uh, you can pick a movie for us to talk about on the show. All kinds of cool stuff. Patreon.com forward slash GTM. Arthur, part three's part tray continues next week. Yeah. And here's where we find ourselves with something of a conundrum. Can we do a threequel about threequels without talking about the rules of the threequel? Next week, we try to parse through that without getting stabbed when we take a look at Scream 3. Excellent. Good times. Good times. There are rules. There are there rules are for, surviving, for surviving a part three. And first of all, you got to figure out if you're in a trilogy or a larger franchise. Well, right? I know who here is immortal. Well, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about it next week. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so you keep watching. <laughs> we'll keep talking. And we'll see you all next time. I'm not sure.